I'm a guy from 15104 and around the world. My goal was to make um, tech sergeant, which is E6 in the Air Force, have an associate degree and get a job in a warehouse. This one guy was he owned a pool hall with uh, video games and all that stuff for the kids. Um, he had me in his shop one day and he asked me what I was going to do with my life after high school. And I said, well, that's easy. I didn't get a job. He said, get out. Quit your job. Go to school full time. I said, stop. I have a family. I have bills. I have responsibilities. 2017. And all the family members is calling me doctor. Hello and welcome to the Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle podcast. We are most excited today because we have a special guest who's going to share some thoughts of wisdom and his experiences with us. This is my older brother, Dr. Stephen M. Lee, and we are I'm really excited and proud to have you on this call. But before we begin, or as we begin, Dr. Lee, who are you? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, uh, Kevin and Andre. Um, well, I am just a regular guy who's had a lot of good experiences in life. So um, I think the best way of putting it, I'm a guy from 15104 and around the world. And, and what is 15104 for our listeners? We have listeners all over the globe. Yeah, I've never, I've never left my city before, so I have no idea what those what those numbers mean. Is are those your are those your prison numbers? What is that? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I, I'm really glad you asked that. Um, I actually put that out there on purpose. So I'm from Braddock, Pennsylvania. So Braddock, Pennsylvania is a small steel town in Pennsylvania, right outside of uh, Pittsburgh. And it's a, a blue collar city. But um, as I was coming up and my brother and I was coming up, things had a, a, a dynamic shift on employment and everything else. So things were a little bit harder for us. So instead of going to the steel mills, they were closing. So we had to think of option B, option C, and option D. So um, that's why I say 15104 and beyond, because um, it, took, it took us all to a different location in, in, our, in our psyche and also a different location physically to become successful. And, and once you, uh, you mentioned options, what were your options when you, you departed 15104? What, what does that mean? Well, um, I'm glad you asked that question because when I was coming up, um, one of the things I wanted to do was probably get a job. And um, I didn't know what that was because I didn't have a mentor to guide me. So um, I didn't want to do blue collar stuff. I didn't want to do manual labor. and. Um, so I just decided to go to military. And the reason why I went to the military, a lot of my other relatives a few years older than me, they went to the military and they seemed like they was having successful lives. So um, I had a tough choice to make, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine. So um, at first I wanted to go to Army and uh, didn't do that. But um, I wanted to do that, but I had scores that was high enough to go to Air Force, so I went to the Air Force. Wow, that's cool. So from the Air Force, what was it like? Did, were you able to achieve your goals or did you expand your options or reduce your options once you got into the military? Well, I got in the military in 1983, January 1983, January 7th to be exact. Um, my main goal going to the Air Force, and you may laugh, um, I, I'll laugh every time I think about it. My goal was to make um, tech sergeant, which is E6 in the Air Force, 
have an associate degree and get a job in a warehouse. My goals was very limited based on the knowledge I had at the time. But once I got in the military, um, I think the best thing about being in the military is you have a, a larger dynamic of people. You're not just dealing with people from Pennsylvania or Pittsburgh or the, or the surrounding area. You're dealing with people from around the world. And um, with that mindset of learning different cultures, learning different ways of doing business and everything else, your goals have changed. And by the time I retired from the military, I was almost done with my master's degree. Um, I, I exceeded the rank of uh, E6, so made it to E7. I did 23 years in the Air Force, so had a great career. Um, and um, it really helped me grow for the next levels in life. Stefan, that, that, that's amazing. So what you just shared, that little bit you shared with me um, resonates, and here's why. I'm a firm believer that exposure directly impacts horizon, right? So initially you were thinking, you know, if I just get a warehouse job, I'm good. And then once you got in there, you realize, whoa, 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 there's a whole big world out there of opportunities. So, so what, what was it? You mentioned there were people from around the world and that sort of thing, but was there a moment or an experience or something you saw that had you realize, oh, you know what? I need to move in a different direction here beyond that warehouse. And then what was your next goal beyond the warehouse? Okay. Well, Andre, um, just started off, I had this one guy who was a mentor in Pittsburgh. He really wasn't a mentor, but he owned a pool hall with uh, video games and all that stuff for the kids. Um, he had me in his shop one day, and he asked me what I was going to do with my life after high school. And I said, well, that's easy. I didn't get a job. He said, get out. So he kicked me out for two weeks and told me to come back. And I told him I was going to go to the military. And he said, okay, what you going to do? Get a job. He kicked me out again and told me to write my, down my goals. I didn't know what goals were or goal setting. So um, that was the beginning of, of writing down goals about making E6, becoming a warehouse guy, and having an associate degree. Once I got in the military, um, I started looking at other people, and they were growing by getting degrees, moving up in rank, and getting more knowledge. And it made their jobs a little bit easier because they had broken the paradigm of a straight structure to broaden their horizons by breaking that paradigm and looking and see what's, what, what else is out there to increase what you're doing. So uh, when I started learning that, um, that helped me out a whole lot, and it got me on different types of projects because I kept expanding my horizons further and further and it was being noticed by senior leadership as far as military or civilians and um, it made me grow a lot faster and and uh, also to add to that when I'm working in other countries I'm dealing with different people from different cultures they have different mindsets of what success is and I want to hit and ingrain that into my psyche as well to help me grow so every time I went to different locations I went ahead and found out, okay, this is what I was at, at this base. Now I'm at this other base. I need to go ahead and reinvent myself so I can grow a little bit more. And every time I went to a different location, I just start sucking in different information from different people so I could collaborate to what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be to help me grow. And it, and it paid off tenfold. So those are the steps, uh, different steps of working with different people from different countries, going to different locations, and expanding my horizons by my network. And, and a follow-up question to that, and I'll pass it back to Kev here. So with growth, often comes a bit of discomfort, sometimes pain. So as you're growing, because, you know, all of us, you know, come from different neighborhoods, things like that, where we're accustomed to things being one way. And then we realize, hopefully, <laughs> ideally, there's more 
that we can have. And as we try to achieve that, comes into some discomfort. So talk to me a bit about how you went from your initial goals in life to these larger goals and some of the uh, challenges that came along with trying to achieve those goals. And you can share one or two of those goals if you like. Okay, one of my goals was to get my education. And um, my brother Kevin has his education. Uh, you already talked to, my, uh, talked to David Grace. He had his education. i never forget, I came home in 1998. I just got married, and um, we came home, and we're talking about, you know, life, this, that, and the other, career. And um, they say, man, when are you going to get your degree? And I said, I'll get it later. And that was one thing, but I was actually working on it, but I wasn't there yet. That's where my undergrad degree did. I went ahead and, and had a lot of bumps and bruises because um, every time I started taking classes, I would get reverted back to going to a deployment. So I'm, I'm away from my location for several months. They come back and I have to take another class. And it was always single classes or single classes. And um, the way to break that roadblock was to talk to my commanders that, listen, I need to go to a place where I can just concentrate on doing school for a few years and get that done. And they agreed because um, it was based off my performance for one. They saw that I was doing the right things to get what I needed to get to. And um, when I did that, I focused hard on going to school and doing the school part really helped me out. So the biggest roadblock was not having the time to go to school. The, the challenge was that. And um, also, uh, the availability of classes because you're taking classes one-on-one -on -one. sometimes you want to take a certain class and that class is not offered the time you want to take the class so um, I had to live in that area so that was a challenge but to overcome that I had to have a critical conversation or um, a strategic conversation with my commander about this and when he saw what I did and I pitched it to him like a business plan so I used some of the education I had up to that point to put a plan together. And I told him, this is what I want to do, and this is why, and this is how it's going to be benefit us and the Air Force. When I did that, he looked at me like I lost my mind. But when I got done with it, he said, no one ever did this to me before. So I'll grant your wish like he was a genie, like Omen and Samus. So he, uh, <laughs> he, he signed the paperwork and said, okay, you can go to – you can get stationed over here and uh, we'll take this code off you so you can go ahead and um, be in a unit that you don't have to deploy all the time. And that I had to take advantage of it. So I hit the ground running, worked my bachelor's degree and got that done. But um, I think the robot, the biggest challenge was the time. And then the, the, the wake up call was talking to Kevin and David about, OK, they already had their degrees. One went to Penn State and one went to Dartmouth and irrespectively or irreversibly, it was, was David and Kevin. But um, I said, well, let me go ahead and find out how can I get my degree? So I just start working toward that goal. But once I got the bachelor's degree, I said, let me start another goal, the master's degree. Then I went ahead and pushed forward to that. And uh, the thing is, I had my associate degree, but I knew that wasn't going to help me out once I retired. That was just like having basically at the time a high school education that wasn't going to work. So um, I need to get a bachelor's degree. So when I was working to that area and got it, I said, okay, great. I got my bachelor's degree. I got 20-something years experience. I can get a good job. And my mentors, I had a lot of mentors by then. They said, hold up. You're not done yet. Uh, just take 13 more classes. You have your master's. Separate yourself from the pack. And um, I, I took that to heart. And that's when I started working on my master's. So before I retired, I was halfway done with my master's degree. 
So uh, I think setting up uh, certain goals based off of certain issues and challenges help you go ahead and um, exceed those goals. Question I have for you is, I'm going to ask two. You, you mentioned locations. How many locations have you been to? Have you visited since you were in the military or and then out of the military? Because, yeah, how many? Greater than 10, greater than 20, greater than 40? Well, yes. So um, I'll, I'll just tell you how many countries I've been to, and then I'll break it down to where the locations I was stationed at. So I've been to 120 countries. Wow. How many countries are there? 130? <laughs> it's about close to 300. So wow. uh, I've been to a lot of countries, but I was stationed in, um, I'll just go ahead and put it in order, of station in uh, Athens, Greece, of course, United States, um, stationed in Korea twice. Uh, Hawaii is a still a state that they look at country, but uh, Hawaii, I was in Guam and stationed in Germany. But in, um, when I was in certain other locations like Kalimkan, Greece, which is in Athens, I went all over there, the, um, the Middle East. Um, when I was oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. When you, when you mentioned those locations, how many languages? Did you speak a language from all those locations? Korea, Greece, English? Well. Um, <laughs> being military, the first thing you want to learn is the bad words. So I know the bad words from most countries. <laughs> the reason why I say that, I'll that later, but um, I do speak Greek. Um, I, I this people pretty well, but I haven't had missile practice in a very long time. So if you don't use it, you lose it. Basically, I still understand a lot, but I can't uh, speak a lot to use. Um, but as far as um, uh, what I say about learning the bad word, when I go to different countries, you have civilians in this population that you have to work with. And you're talking to them in English, and they, they'll talk amongst each other in their language. So the first thing you want to do is learn the bad words to know what they're talking about you. So um, I learned those. And then um, when I'm having conversations with them, trying to go ahead and get to know them, because that's one thing you know is see what drives them. And you're talking to them, and they say something kind of hilarious, and you say something that was uh, in their language that was a, a, an affirmative uh, affirmative they affirm what they said, and they look at you like, oh, he's trying to learn. So when they see that, that kind of helps out. The second question is, you mentioned that you you got your master's to separate yourself from the masses, but I think I read somewhere that it's point like 1% of the population have PhDs, and then 0.0001% of African Americans have PhDs. What was the catalyst from master's degree to getting your doctorate and what did you get your doctorate in and, and what inspired you to say, I just want to keep learning. I want to get my PhD now. Uh, what was that transition like? And was it a mentor? Was it a chief commander? Was it a pool home owner who, who kicked you out of the master area and said, get your PhD? <laughs> well, what it was is um, once I retired from the military and I was working in education, um, I started to go ahead and um, I hope you guys can hear me. Uh, I barely hear you guys. Okay, I get the head nods. That's great. So um, once I retired from the military in 2005, I got a job working um, in education. And I was born as doing business development for education. So I liked it. And uh, I was still working my master's at the time. But right before I got doing my master's, we hired this college professor. And, um, well, I hired this college professor. 
during one of my presentations in the class, she saw how I just took the ball and ran with it. And and when I gave presentations, I never turned around and looked at the screen. I just talked it off the top of my head. And then I say, next slide. And I was all on point and I was you know, working the room. And I learned that part from being in the military. I gave a lot of briefings. So I wanted to make sure all myself was correct. After that was over, my, my um, professor came to me and said, when are you going to start teaching? And I thought she lost her mind. I said, I'm not going to teach. She said, you know this inside and out, and you're helping others, and you're making my job too easy as a professor because you're like a grad assistant to me. I just started laughing. So once I graduated, I, I remember what she said, and I talked to people at the, edu- at, the, uh, at the university. They said, yeah, you ought to start teaching, but you can't teach for us for three years because you just got your, your master's. So I went to every school in San Antonio. I was living in San Antonio at the time. And um, I would get I would get these looks like, uh, why are you coming here trying to teach? And who are you? And then I met some people that was retired Air Force, like myself, that were commanders. And they put me through the ringer and they said, oh, we'll put you in a pool. And I said, OK. And then um, at the last instance, I went to the very last school and uh, it was called Concordia, Concordia University. I went there, told the guy what I could do. He said, how many schools you apply for? I told him all. And he said, any schools left on your list? I said, this is the last one. He hired me and I taught HR. So teaching the first class, uh, I treated like I taught my military classes, you know, this is where the X's are, cell phones off, and go over the syllabus and get prepared, right? So um, they watched me, how I handled the classroom, how I taught the classes. And, and the main thing is they found out that I actually had an interest in the student. So after teaching one class, I got put in for professor of the year. And I was shocked. Wow. And so that really blew me away. And so the doctor of the university, um, he was the dean of the university. He said, listen, um, you need to go for your doctorate. And I said, I can't afford that. And um, before I knew it, I was moving out to Ohio because I had a civil service job. So I mean, excuse me, I went to uh, California. So once I was there, I started, they, the school contacted me, said, listen, we want you to teach at this school there. You're there. We got contacts there. I started teaching for Webster University. And then um, I met some very influential people, um, Dr. Cornell West, and I met uh, Dr. Gold from another university. And um, and um, given a lecture at Long Beach State, they said, well, why do they keep calling you Mr. Lee? Why don't they call you Dr. Lee? I said, I don't have a doctorate. They said, well, quit your job, go to school full time. I said, stop. <laughs> I have a family. <laughs> I have bills. I have responsibilities. And then I found out that the VA was going uh, Veterans Administration would pay for my doctorate. So I went ahead and jumped into it. And um, lo and behold, that's what I did. And I did it for the simple fact that it's not of lifelong learning at the time. It was more or less um, give myself another career path if I want to do that. So I can still teach with a master's degree, but you could go so far with a master's degree. But teaching with a PhD is, is limitless. So um, and the reason why I went to PhD, I did my PhD in um, business administration with a specialization in organizational leadership. I did that because I had the the BA, the BS, um, I had a bunch of grad certificates, but I wanted to accumulate all that together. And I did a lot of the stuff that was dealing with organizational leadership. So, because um, I worked in different organizations, I had restructured organizations and all that other good stuff. So that helped me out in that respect. So um, once I got to Ohio and I got to DC, when I uh, concluded my doctorate, when I was living, working in DC, 
things was coming together a lot better. And then I said, well, I don't have to work for the government. I already have a nice, strong foothold in education. I've been teaching and been a course lead for about 16 years. Um, what do I want to do? So it gives you options. So that was the main reason why I got the PhD. Um, but the funny story is once I got my PhD, I actually went to a family reunion. It was uh, in 2017, and all the family members was calling me doctor, and I was getting highly upset from that. I said, <laughs> call me my name. They said, no, we're doing it for a reason. I said, y'all been knowing me. Y'all could say, hey, you, come here, knucklehead, whatever. <laughs> and and what they would do is, like, we're doing it for the younger ones. They need to see mm. that there's people from here that made it and got their education, didn't have to do anything crazy like robin stealing or whatever just to have some money you did it the correct way and you're the first doctor in the family and that put a sense of responsibility to me so uh that was one of the key reasons why um that's not one of the key reasons why i got my doctor degree but those are some of the responsibilities of having a doctor degree from quote unquote the 15104 area um you you can actually um see yourself growing but you knew you grew, but you didn't know how much you grew until they tell you how much you grew. So, so you, just coming back to the one percent of all people in the U.S. with a doctorate and a point zero zero one percent of African Americans, I think you're point zero 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 doctors of one five one oh four. It's kind of funny you mentioned that. So um, there's a couple of guys that I grew up with that got their doctorates. Um, um, you know, one named um, Matthew Thomas. He's a medical doctor. I have another friend I went to school with named Andre Henderson, who actually got his doctorate too. So um, they're, they're not PhDs. But uh, yes, PhD is a little bit different. Um, as you stated earlier, there's less than 0.046% of African-Americans that have a PhD. So uh, that puts a lot of, uh, put a little bit of stress on you a little bit, but I know you're an elite company, but um, it seems like when I go different locations or different places and they find that you're a doctor, they look at you like all strange. And um, they say, well, you're really a doctor, what do you teach? And I tell them what I teach and they look at you a little bit differently. I think the medical community is the, ones I, the only place I get a lot of uh, heartache when you tell them that you're a doctor. They say, oh, what's med school you go to? It's that, no, I'm a PhD. Well, that's not a real doctor system. Uh, it's a terminal degree <laughs> practicing and once i say that they leave me alone right. and then they will call me doctor but um yeah so right. um i think uh from the 15104 area as we stated earlier which is Braddock, pennsylvania there's a few of us but i think the funny thing about that and uh, you mentioned it earlier about 15104 to a certain extent to jog my memory is um when I first got my doctorate done, it was on a Friday, and I was going through a call to do it. And once it got announced, they called me, hey, congratulations, you are now Dr. Lee. My wife ran from my office, ran straight to her computer, and put it on Facebook. My husband just got his PhD, da, 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 before I even could do it. So she did that. She tagged me. And then the good thing about it, there was people that I have a lot of people in my friends list from home that, you know, people you knew from years ago. They all chimed in, not to say congratulations. Congratulations. Some of them put like little paragraphs to the comment and then they inboxed me and my phone was just blowing up. Bing, bing, bing. Like, what's going on? What was that? And so I started noticing people who were um, 
um, people who had a difficult life from back at home would send me these long texts and this, that, and the other. And a lot of people that, you know, you have on Facebook that you don't really hear from that much, they were coming on there saying, like, you really make us proud. We, you're showing us that people from uh, our area can make it. And um, that made me feel a certain way. And I think it really uh, gravitates to some of the things I started doing later on in life. Nice, nice. So two things that stand out for me. If someone were to ask me, how would you describe Dr. Stephen Lee? I would say these are just two words to come to mind. Proud and driven. Where does that come from? Um that comes from two different ways. Um, let's see, my grandmother was very driven and she kind of drove us. Um, she was a no-nonsense woman, very sweet woman, but very no-nonsense. And she gave us a sense of drive. Uh, if you want to get something, you got to work for it. And she always taught us to save our money. But that was one part. The other part of being driven is things I learned in the military. Um, you just can't be last days ago on what you do because, number one, we're in the defense of the nation. So you just can't take it like, okay, I just do the bare minimum. Or sometimes say, people say the term uh, close enough for government work. Uh, you have to exceed that. You have to keep pushing harder and going farther to strive for better, to make things work better. So um, you just can't accept satisfactory as a job well done. So uh, those things push me and dealing with different people in the world push me from different leaders and different coworkers. And even some of my subordinates, they push me too. So um, I think that's where it really comes from. Okay. And also you've been fortunate and that you've had a number of mentors oh, yeah. that I imagine have also pushed you. So for someone who's come up in an environment where they don't have mentors, they don't have a grandmother like you had, an environment like you had that t teach it or taught them how to be driven, self-motivated, et cetera, what advice would you give them? I would give them the advice that to talk to older people. And um reason why I say that, um, older people have shaped me growing up. They made sure I didn't do anything um, crazy, something I could get incarcerated for or juvenile court for as a young youth. They'll see me doing something that was borderline crazy. And they, hey, let me talk to you for a second. And they'll say certain things to me like, man, if your grandmother saw you doing this or your mama saw you doing this. And uh, if I tell so-and-so, those are the warning signs that you're about to really mess up. But if you go ahead and talk to those people about how can I do things differently in life, um, they will give you the answer. So something that we all heard growing up, you can't become old and be a fool. So um, mm. older people went through a lot of experiences and some of the things we're going through now, or not us, but some of the young, younger generation, we saw that wore the t-shirt the whole nine yards and we see which direction you're going. So I tell younger people, always listen to older people. You can take their information. You don't have to use it all, but take some bits and pieces of different things and make it your own. So, um, I had times I was making a left in life when I should have made a right. You know, I'm at that crossroads and I'm about to put that blinker to go left and people are like, hold up. You don't want to do that. And this is why. So um, those are things like the guy from the pool hall, Mr. Eli, he um, helped straighten me out. So when I gave him my paper of my goals, and we talked about that at the very beginning of the podcast, he said, um, this is the reason why I want you to write your goals down. He took me outside the pool room and he said, what's over there? I said, that's McKeesport, I mean, uh, Homestead and all that. He said, what's behind us? I said, that's Forest Hills. He said, this is a valley. There's a big world out there. Go out there and make your mark. 
And I didn't think about it, but no one ever said that to me before, ever. And not school teachers, not people from church. It was a guy from a pool hall that told me that. But we were friends with his grandkids. And he knew that. He knew our parents. We didn't do anything anything crazy, but they they watched us from afar to see how we was developing. And he told me that once I came home, one time from the military, he said, you have grown a lot. So what was your goals? I told him my goals. He said, what are you going to do with your goals now? I said, I'm going to change them every year like a resolution. He said, no. You made your goals before resolution. People have resolutions. They forget about them. You made goals. Give yourself goals. But you always try to exceed your goals and come up with more goals. And so that's what I have been doing ever since. That's that's fascinating. It's it's funny because with these podcasts, I learn more. I think I know someone. I learn more about them every time I speak with them in this sort of platform. But um, I know I would have some answers for you. But um. If you were to just look at your existence uh, from 15104 through your many countries, even to your education, your PhD, what would you classify as your superpower? What would be your, what's that thing that's uniquely Dr. Stephan M. Lee that you say is your power that you excel in, over everyone in that particular tree? concept or personality whatever it is what's your superpower dr lee well my superpower let's see da, 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 da. um <laughs> <laughs> that's the first he came in with some entourage music i told you he's proud yeah he is <laughs> My biggest superpower is how to deal with people and um, uh, dealing with people from all walks of life. And that's something that you can't learn by going on a vacation for a week or two. You have to live in the country for a time or two and learn how to deal with people from all walks of life. It gives you a, a, a bigger understanding about how people work and how people think and what motivates people. So I think my superpower is learning people. So, uh, so let me ask you this. You're having a, a meal, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to be catered with your favorite food and you're able to invite three guests dead or alive who would you invite and why would you invite them they're all going to meet up for dinner wow um i would say colin powell for one um i would invite him because i saw his path his career path and saw what he'd done very remarkable young man from jamaica went to new york and get in the military and exceeded the ranks of all the way up to four-star general, joint chiefs of staff. And then he reinvented himself, became a, a, a really good presidential appointee as the secretary of, uh, of state. And, um, and, and so he'd done a lot of things and he was, uh, he was a, a no nonsense guy. So, um, I would like to go ahead and sit with him, pick his brain. Oh my God. There's so many people. Um, I would say I would also like to sit down with probably my grandmother to get more information from her. She was, um, she taught me a lot and, um, and some people really can't see what she taught us, but we learned more about her later on as we got older, right before we left, you know, left from home, we start learning more and more about her. And one thing she taught to me was understanding about family. So she taught me a lot to, to uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, New York, to meet some of our family members uh, right before I went in the military. So I had a desire about understanding my uh, 
ancestry a little bit more. And um, I need to ask her, sit, sit down with her, ask her uh, a lot of questions based off of that. Get more of her recipes as well, but um, ask her a little bit more of that. I think the other thing, um, the other person, if I could actually sit with, I would say the next person in the room doesn't make a difference because everyone has a valuable asset to bring in and it could be anyone there alive, but it could be anybody. So I could meet the next person walking down the street, have a conversation with them and you will learn more about them. Like you're learning more about me today. So everyone has a story to tell. So um, I don't discount everyone on this whole planet. There's a whole lot of, uh, wealth of information from everyone you don't have to be rich or famous but you grab different pieces of nuggets from everyone else to make it your own and you're always learning that respect so um i would say my grandmother colin powell and the next person i run into hey let's have dinner let's talk and conversate so i just got a text Stefan, from my man (laughs) at the pool hall he says here Stefan, you you you're not gonna invite me to to dinner (laughs) That's funny, but, um, now, number one, he's passed on. So if you got a text from him, you really got a strong communication device. Okay. Uh, <laughs> i tell you what's funny. Andre, I'm glad you mentioned him because um, I did allude to him a few times. But uh, Mr. Eli was also in a book that I wrote called The Lee Brothers. Uh, I was co-written with me and my brother. And I talked about that story in there. And his daughter saw it and reached out to me on Facebook and told me that she read it. And she said, no one saw that side of him, but very few people. And I'm glad he shared that with you. So, um, and so the thing is, I wrote Mm. something that I didn't even think she's going to read. And um, she got a hold of it and she read it and she told her kids about it. And she said, this is who your grandfather was. And of course, the grandfather was, um, he was deceased before her kids was born. But this is something that will live on and uh, they can see it in written form that, hey, this is something to memorialize him. So, um, yeah, yeah, I did leave Mr. Eli out. Uh, but, but I think Mr. Eli lives yeah, in all good. of us. Must be but you, you, yes, you immortalized him in the book. I did. No, that's that's amazing. You mentioned the book. Um, you have, you've had an, ex, an interesting life filled with a lot of, uh, let's say, valuable nuggets, as you mentioned. If if you were to put a title on your on your life, if your life was an autobiography or you wrote an autobiography about Dr. Lee, what would that title be and why? I think I'm gonna go ahead and use the title that I used at the very beginning, one five one zero four and beyond. Yeah, the reason why I say that, the reason why, reason why I say that, because uh, I never think a young kid from Braddock from a street called Summit Street would ever go to all these different countries, have friends from you know, everywhere, from Singapore to Switzerland to Abu Dhabi and Georgia, the country, and every place I've been, I got friends all over the world. So I never thought I would do that. Um, I got, it, it's so, it's so amazing. Um, about the places I've been and all that. But I would say 15104 and beyond because um, we all started off in that one street in our neighborhood and thought that was going to be our hometown or whatever for the rest of our lives. And look at us. Uh, Andre, I don't know where you're exactly from, but are you still living in the same place you grew up at? And Kevin as well. So uh, the thing is, we have grown in different ways. And so I think uh, my book would say, um, we'll start off with 15104 is the beginning beyond because Dude. number one, I don't know where I'm going to end up at. Uh, right now, it looks like it's going to be uh, Brandon Florida, but you never know. But um, 
I would say one five one and four and beyond. No, thank you. That's that's uh, I like that title. And uh, and I, uh, I do you have any um, any parting words for us, man? Uh, we, we yeah, any parting words. I do like to say thank you for having me on this on this podcast. And this is a different type of podcast that I, I did not watch before. Most podcasts have a whole lot of famous people uh, talk about their rise and falls or whatever or, or serious accomplishments. But uh, interviewing people like the guy next door brings a wealth of information to people as well. So you don't have to be rich or famous, um, but everyone is famous in their own regard. So I do appreciate this platform you guys have came up with. Um, and it's it's kind of a, a trendsetting type of uh, podcast. It's kind of cool. I like it. Appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. That's our goal. All right. Well, before I wrap up, MJ, anything to say? Hey, Stefan, Dr. Lee, Mr. 15104, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.